Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Without continual growth and progress, such words as improvement, achievement, and success have no meaning. And that's from Benjamin Franklin, who certainly improved, achieved, and had success. So welcome again to The Profitable Photographer. I am super excited. I have a lovely guest to introduce you to, somebody that we both will get to know for the first time. Before I do, I would love to offer you an opportunity to have me review your website or if you don't have a website, but you have Instagram or something else, review that or take a look at your price list. And all you need to do is go to lucydumascoaching.com, Lucy with an I, and you can either fill out the form or you can schedule a, a quick chat appointment. So please do that. There'd be no pressure. Uh, I just love to connect and I love to support people. All right. So let me tell you about the lovely Ms. Donna Edmond. She is an award-winning portrait photographer with a passion to honor people and encourage them to share their legacy. Her ability, her superpower, is helping people feel comfortable and the results with the portraits capture their authentic self. She's in Fullerton, California. So people that don't know the Los Angeles, greater Los Angeles area, she's there, not too far from Disneyland, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and she has a lovely book you might want to check out on her website, Women of Wisdom, Honoring Their Grace strength and beauty. She also loves to teach small groups to be better photographers. So that's fun. Hello, Donna. Thank you for being on my show. Hi, Lucy. Glad to be here. Hi. So just a little quick, I know you started your business in 2014, but in a nutshell, what what led up to that? You know, I was a social worker and um, I was in IT and back into social work. And um, when I retired the second time, I uh, picked up a camera. And the camera I picked up was our daughter's camera that we had given her for her birthday. And I kept borrowing it until she said, <laughs> until she said, well, I probably would use it, mom, if it was with me instead of you. So that was my new art. <laughs> um, I've always done something art-wise in my life, but um, I thought when you grow up, you do business. So mm. I've done business. So I've done business as a social worker is also in a corporate world um, in IT. So taking all of those things, when I retired, I wanted to do, I wanted to just photograph things that are beautiful. Mm. So I think as most people, you, you take your camera out and whatever you're attracted to, that's what you photograph. And people kept asking me if I could um, create their portrait for business, a business portrait. And I said, I don't know what I'm doing, but sure, let's give it a try. I had no idea what to price it anything. Mm -hmm. um, and they kept referring people to me. So wow. because I kept getting referrals, I figured, well, maybe there's something here, maybe I should learn what to do. Mm -hmm. So I went to a photography school here in Southern California for um, for two years to study just portraiture. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was 2014. I was finishing that up and decided uh, it's ready to, to start a business. 
So I took the business background that I had and just adapted that to a new business. Mm. So you answered my question. I was going to ask how you, how your background has supported what you're doing now, but you already answered that. Well, you know, and I've, I've had business, other businesses my as an entrepreneur as well. So it's, you know, knowing marketing, you know, mm-hmm. lead generation. It's just a different way of, of um, a different business. Right, right. So what kinds of art have you done? Besides photography, are there mediums that you've worked? Yeah, you know, I've always done something. I've always done something. I never thought I could draw, so I never thought I was an artist. But, you know, mm-hmm. I should think back now. You know, I, I did weaving. I did clay. I especially enjoyed ceramics and clay. Um, just other things. Mm-hmm. Even as a as a, uh, a teenager, I would clip pictures out of magazines, you know, because I thought that those were really pretty. I didn't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. So I was always a, a, interested in visual art, enjoy museums. You know, mm-hmm. looking at art in detail, just to, didn't think I was an artist to create it. Right. So it's really cool now to call it. Me, is. You know, for me to say, hey, I'm an artist. Yeah. So we have that in common, Donna. I was an artist in search of a medium, and I found mine in my late 20s, which was photography. Uh-huh. I painted a little bit. Um, I like to watch, I can't remember what it's called. There's a, a TV show where clothing designers oh. compete. Uh-huh. Um, it's slipping my mind now. And I love to watch that. And I realize I was designing clothes when I was in high school because I needed to sew. Uh-huh. Or I would just sketch them just for fun. And uh, I took uh, ceramics in college and I still miss that feeling of taking a lump of clay and sticking it on a wheel and moving your fingers up and having this thing emerge. It's so sensual and and organic, right? Right. It's like petting. It's like petting a pet. You know, yes. only <laughs> it's clay. Yeah. Very soothing. Yeah. I've also been realizing at this point, you know, I think when we have had lots of what would we call it? Um cycles in our lives uh-huh. when we're a little older. <laughs> Uh, it's fun to look back and see how everything has a common thread. It fit together, didn't it? Even yeah. though we thought it was this wiki wacky path, you know, yeah. to get from there to here. So many things. I've I've looked at um, my father's career as a pastor, and when I was doing weddings, I realized, oh, I'm working in churches on the weekend, like Dad, and the the most recent in having this podcast once a week is realizing, oh, I have to have a sermon topic <laughs> like that. <laughs> right. But then the most recent, um, I have a little vacation rental. Uh-huh. Uh, I live in a really cute neighborhood in South Park, but near everything. And I realized my first big career was running a business in the San Diego airport. Oh. And my clients we're tourists yeah. and my clients are tourists now. So right. that's a fun thing about being able to look back. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. But enough about me. <laughs> um, so one of the things that is your superpower you've mentioned is that you know how to make people feel really comfortable in front of your camera. So uh, first of all, I want you to talk about that 
And I've noticed that my guests or my listeners appreciate doable, actionable steps. Right. So if you've got some of those in your brain, I'm sure you do. Um, We would love to hear that. First of all, what's the core of helping people feel comfortable? I think it comes from my social work background. You know, it's first it comes from me personally. You know, I just love to connect with people and hear their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in um, in social work, there's just techniques of helping people feel comfortable. As uh-huh. I, it's relaxing. For, if I'm relaxed, people are relaxed. It's really being engaging and interested, truly interested in what someone's saying, right? So in a portrait session, it's not standing from the camera and smile. It's mm-hmm. um, let me get to know you. Right. And as I get to know you, I'm clicking. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a bunch of tools on my toolbox that I use. Um, a more recent one has been music. So mm-hmm. if people are, are taking a little while to feel comfortable and I've used all my interpersonal skills. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say, what's your favorite music? And I'll just put music on. And I says, just listen to the music. Just listen to the music and um, pretend I'm not here. So sometimes I'll have them look away and listen. Sometimes I'll have them close their eyes and listen. And then eventually, one, two, three, open your eyes, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's the really, really um, more authentic portraits is when mm-hmm. people are, are comfortable. And recently, uh, I this I had a client that was just wide-eyed in front of the camera, just, <laughs> you know, startled in every look. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I used all my tools. I used the music, used everything. And I said, what do you do to make, you know, what gives you joy? Which is another one of my questions that I ask. Um, because as people are thinking about what gives them joy and they feel it, it comes mm-hmm. out in the muscles around the eyes. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's not about the smiling and the teeth and the posing. Right. It's experiencing joy, right? Authentic feeling. Um, so what you said about the muscles and around the eyes. Um, I watched um, a PBS show about the face. Uh And you may know this, but my listeners may have never heard this. We have 50 muscles in our face. And every thought moves a muscle and communicates to the person looking at that face, what they're feeling. Right. And they showed examples of like the salesman where it looked like they were smiling, but something made you not trust them. Yeah. And it's it's because the muscles around our eyes and the muscles that pull the corners of our mouth up are involuntary. So it comes from feeling something or a thought. And so I love what you just said is you give them something to think about mm-hmm. that then that those involuntary muscles move and then as we're creating a portrait and i also have to acknowledge that clearly you have the ability to notice when that happens because uh i've i've watched photographers uh working or teaching and uh, that's one of my skills too is that that noticing when that mm-hmm. essence comes through mm-hmm. and i've seen them click just after the moment that I felt was the authentic moment. Now, I'm sure their work was just as great, but um, yeah. Did you know that about the 50 muscles? I did not know about the 50 muscles. Yeah. That is so neat that you validated <laughs> what I've been thinking, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and I think the other thing is I'm an intuitive person, so mm-hmm. I can feel what they feel. So I wait until I'm 
feeling that kind of feel, you know, with yes. them. Yeah. It's connecting the intuitiveness with um with clicking at the right time, just as you said, Lucy, clicking at the right time. And not every click is perfect, you know, so you're just clicking a few times. You try to do it a few times, right? Mm-hmm. But um I think listeners could could benefit maybe from having that whole concept that as we think, we feel. And then it comes out in the muscles around the face. I'm looking for the ones in the eyes. And I tell people, don't don't look at, don't think about the pose. Don't think about the teeth. Don't think about the mm-hmm. smile. It's not what that's about. It's about the eyes. Right. One of the hardest things in my background, kids are my specialty. Uh-huh. Um, although eventually as, as I matured, the little tiny babies became older and older and older. And then pretty soon I was soon high school seniors and uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, weddings <laughs> with the same families. But the hardest thing for me is those kids that have gotten the cheese face. Uh, you know, and their parents tell them, say cheese. <laughs> cheese does not make your eyes sparkle, does not make those involuntary muscles around right. the eyes or the pull up the corners of your mouth. Like there's no feeling in cheese. Right. So I, I have a couple of words I use, but are there some prompts or things that you what are, use? That what are the, yes, but what are the ones you use? The word yes. Yes. Because yes. when you say yes, first of yes. all, it's a s, so that's a little brightening. Uh-huh. But also the word yes gives you a feeling. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And then my emergency word is monkey. Key, because, key, yeah, yeah. And because and it's kind of a funny word. and. When people think about monkeys, they're kind of fun, funny. And uh-huh. then, I, then if they're really like the person you were mentioning where it was hard to get anything, uh-huh. um, then if I start making monkey noises, you know, it opens that up. Uh, so that's that's something I discovered. That And also, I will have people make faces without me taking pictures to loosen up those muscles. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll tell yeah. them, you know, just do this. I'm not, and I'll hold my hands. I'm not going to take the picture. Uh-huh. And then that relaxes the, the muscles in the face. So I'm doing uh, like, I'm helping them warm up and such. So are there some prompts and things that you do? Yes. Well, you're t- just talking about the Lucy face, you know, um, mm-hmm. if it's just, if it's just kids mm-hmm. and the parents are there, I'll have them stand behind me. Right. And do some goofy. Right? right. The kids are seeing mom or dad doing something goofy, you know, so mm-hmm. they can just genuinely laugh that mom and dad are doing something goofy. But for kids also, I have them jump and spin and um, do action. And really for adults as well, they don't have them jump. Mm-hmm. But I might have them spin if they're in the studio where they're not going to trip. Right. So mm-hmm. they might spin. And I'm saying, this is how you spin. You look at me. Right. You spin. You keep looking at me. And then you turn your head. And they're so busy figuring out how to spin and not fall down and look at me and I have such good time, right? Uh-huh. That yeah. when they come around as I'm clicking, you get these really genuine expressions because mm. it's not about the camera anymore, right? right? It's about them spinning and having fun, right? right? So that's the whole right. thing. So kids as well as adults for doing that. And back to the man with the white eyes and yes. I asked him what gave gave him joy. He said, playing music. And I said, what kind of music? A guitar. I went and got a guitar. Right. Those were the pictures. Those were the portraits that were the most genuine for him when he was actually playing. He wasn't thinking about being, you know, in front of the camera. 
he was just enjoying playing music and looking mm-hmm. up once in a while, right? Got it. So it's anything to distract people from looking at the camera and smiling. Right. Whether it's what they're thinking or what they're doing. Right. So do you know about mirror neurons? Tell me, tell us about that. Mirror neurons. So this goes with what you said about you relaxing. So mirror neurons are things that we exchange. They're actual chemicals that I should get the definition, but like if I'm warm and relaxed, there is something that I don't know if it's on a vibrational level. I don't know how it happens, but your mirror neurons react to that. Yes. And respond. Now, some of us, like I'm also highly intuitive and sensitive uh-huh. as you are. And if I'm watching a like America's Funniest Video uh-huh. and somebody falls on their behind, uh-huh. I actually get a jolt of electric pain mm. in my tailbone. Mm. And that's a mirror neuron. Mm. Uh-huh. So um, I'm sure your warm expression helps people feel that as well. Mm-hmm. And then they are warm and comfortable. And, you know, if we're gruff and whatever, people are going to respond to that. I never thought of this before, but when we've got a difficult client, those mirror neurons may make us a little nervous or a little uncomfortable for a while, trying to figure out how to get them comfortable. Can you relate to that? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Like, like if a if the dad's really grouchy, uh, we have to monitor our own <laughs> reactions to that, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. And I, it's neat that you gave a term for that because these are all things that, like I had said in, in at the beginning, that you know I'm comfortable and relaxed. People are comfortable and relaxed. It's mm-hmm. just the what exact exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I I I genuinely enjoy photographing people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and and I and I, I set the expectation for parents that let the kids just be themselves. You know, don't expect them to stand in front of the camera and smile. Maybe right. they do that this year. Maybe that'll be next year. Maybe that'll be five years from now. Right. So just let them be themselves. Just enjoy the process. And sometimes when the kids are are um, just really having a hard time getting anything that's like a normal face, mm-hmm. I have the parents do this exasperated face picture. You know, with them, and then everybody just laughs, and we just go on, right? Great. So they have the experience of having that exasperated face look picture to see later. That makes them laugh. I love it. I love it. So allowing, especially allowing kids to be themselves, rather than trying to fit into a little, a little uh, well, the expectation. expectation of the perfect smile, right? And the perfect child. You know, because kids aren't perfect, you know, and it depends on their age and their personalities. You know, they are who they are. And so I think it helps just to have the um, parents' expectations set ahead of time. Got it. So during the consultation, you know, when I know I'm going to have kids that are little, you know, that's just part of the conversation. Right. Right. Don't, and, and I've seen everything. I'm a mom. I'm a grandma. And I probably have seen everything. And it, it's all good. I'm going right. to enjoy it no matter what. So I hope you do, too. Right. I love that. I love that. I often, if uh, a child is being a little challenging or the parent is expressing their frustration, one of the terms I use is they're just doing their job. Yes. At, at two, 
uh, they're supposed to be learning independence so that when they're 30, they're not in therapy <laughs> trying to set boundaries, right? Yeah. And, they're not uh, doing dragon faces in front of the camera when they're 30. <laughs> right, right. When, when I have taught children's photography, one of the things I talk about is the stages of childhood and what you can expect and what you can't as oh. a photographer and why an 11-month-old is easier by far than a 13-month-old, and, uh, you know, that the, why you can't, you should not plan to change clothes on a one-year-old, but you can do it on a nine-month-old. So it seems like we're having similar <laughs> experiences in that. Okay, so so relaxing yourself, asking questions like what brings you joy, uh-huh. uh, Staying in your intuitive side so you can connect. Uh-huh. Uh, some prompts, music, getting them in motion, uh-huh. um, allowing them to be themselves and setting those expectations with children. Is there anything else? I mean, that's a that's a plenty, but anything else in the how do we help people be comfortable and relaxed and I guess photogenic or you know, get to that place where then we can get photographs that really capture their spirit. Any other? I I think the main thing is setting expectations from the beginning, from the first call, the first time someone's speaking with me, Mm -hmm. that sets the whole tone for the experience through the repeat business later. So that's that first call, you know, when I'm taking that call, you know, I, again, like you, we're just smiling right now. You know, I'm smiling. I'm enjoying the conversation. It's all about them. You know, how can I help them? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, um, if they have kids, it's setting the expectation of just let them be themselves. You know, don't, don't expect them to stand still and smile in front of the camera. That'll happen later. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen. And um, yeah, just the music helps. Um, oh, one of the other things that I recently put in my toolbox that might help your listeners is, um, there is a, a little boy who just could not focus and could not be still. Mm. And so his mom just started saying, giving he was like four, I think, really young. She started giving him math problems. Huh? What's this plus this? What's this times that? Oh. You know, what's that minus? And so it made him stop. Clever. <laughs> it made him stop and think. And boy, did I get a whole series of really cool portraits from this little kid. Nice. Right. Yeah. And so I've been using that now. You know, mm-hmm. so if if um, I thought, wow, that was a, that was a great tool. Yeah. In fact, in fact, I had a a new um, client call and said, I'm calling you because my friend, you photograph my friend's family and you ask them to give math problems to help their son be still. I have a, I have a son and we can do that with my son too. <laughs> That's great. So what a great <laughs> referral. Now I'm the math photographer. Right? Yeah. So I'd say this falls in the category on our list of be creative, uh-huh. think up things like, so this was out of frustration. I had a, a multiple generation family group uh-huh. and I had several people that had a hard time. Uh, like I'd pose them, I'd get one shot and then they'd move and I'd have to do it over again. Right. right, right. And so a couple kids that were inattentive. Uh-huh. And like when I get the kids good and this was film, so we, I couldn't just be like, okay, I'm going to 
get a few where the kids are good. Now a few where the parents are good. Now I'm going to put them together. I had to get it in the camera. Right. And I started singing the ABC song, but giving instructions. ABC, mom, look here. D, E, F, put your hands out of your mouth. And and so then I keep that in my back pocket. And then sometimes uh, I'll I'll tell a story that's like once upon a time, there was a little boy named, you know, whoever the kid is, Charlie. Right. And he had a beautiful mom, mom named. And so it's similar to math because then they're paying attention to something. Yeah, yeah yes. Yeah. And you know, I think it's us as photographers just being in tune with what's happening around us. And when there is a good idea, you know, stick that in your pocket. Yeah. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> that worked once. Let's try yes. it. My my other secret weapon is working on a tripod. Ah. Because then I'm interacting. Like imagine having this conversation and I've got this in front of me and I'm trying to get emotion from you. Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, or you're as a guest, you're holding up a camera in your face and I'm I'm trying to read you and respond to you right. and connect with you. So now I don't always keep everything on the tripod at all times, but to be able to make faces, that's that's where the mirror neurons yeah. come in, yeah. is when I'm making a face, then people are responding to that face. Exactly. And also I'm paying attention to them and looking through a lens is a little different aspect that, you know, when I'm not looking through the lens, I can see little parts and refine them or make uh-huh. faces or play games that you just can't play. So, right. right. So fun that we can collaborate here with all of our tips from our experiences. And right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I get that the core is that you have a heart for people mm-hmm. and people understand that. I think they just get it. You know, just like the, the term that you used before, your, what was it? Neuro. Mirror neurons. Mirroring. Yeah. 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 I think that's it. I think yes. that's the key. You that's know, because it. as we're, as, if we really enjoy what we're doing, I think mm-hmm. that's Yeah. So one other little hot tip for people listening. Um, because I love soulful expressions. Mm. Um, the I watched a, uh, there's a series called The Great Masters or something on PBS. And one was the painter David, and the other was the sculptor Bernini, who mm. did a lot of busts of people. And they both said a great piece of art of a person looks like they either are just about to say something or just did. Oh, that's interesting. And, and I love getting that when I look at the body of my work, I, you would say frequently that that's some of the best work. So with kids, um, I love a close-up, and especially it's sellable when they're sitting down and you're above them and you're shooting down. So they're uh-huh. looking up. Uh-huh. Um I ask if they can see my eyes through the lens. Oh. What color are my eyes? Now, they can't probably they can look, but they, you know, they yeah. study and they think and they're looking. And then I get that heart stopping moment that parents absolutely love. That's very tender and very attentive. 
So, yes. yeah. So collaborative list we've got going here because we've- yeah, I'm taking notes. Good. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's see. The other topic that I wanted to touch on, because you do a lot of fine art photography. And the question is, what is the art you do for yourself? Or um, what was the good question on that? Uh, Art for others. Yeah, art for others versus art for you. So tell me a little your thoughts on that. You know, I've been asked several times, how would I advise artists, you know, Mm -hmm. in in their business? And so um, as an artist, we do art for ourselves. And um, that's really important. And mm-hmm. so um, if you if if your listeners want to have photography as a business, it's different. And mm-hmm. it's okay to be doing art for others. It's not like you're compromising your integrity somehow by doing art for others. So um, what's attractive to me personally are um, things that are uh, beautiful in nature. So it's plants, like and a lot of people, plants and Um, repeating patterns and architecture and you know it's there's certain things that are attractive to me how light falls on something right Mm -hmm. and I thought Mm -hmm. when I first started photography and if I was going to do this as a business who would buy that Mm. well probably people might buy that for their wall and they might spend a little bit of money for it right but if I was going to make this a business what kind of photography would most people who have expendable income invest in mm. and it's portraits right and so that's when I decided okay I'm I, I it's my goal is to be a portrait photographer and um I uh, went to school to learn that right went to school for two years as I mm-hmm. said to, to learn portrait photography so um now it's taking the learning you know I I've taken from my own background as a business person how to build a business but if if your listeners don't have that it's finding a consultant like yourself, you know, it's finding a consultant that can help them build the business. How do you generate leads? How do you find out who your your um, target market is? How do you um, how do you sell? How do you and sell is not a bad word. It used to be a bad word for me, you know. And I've and mm-hmm. and, and it's a whole thing we can talk about is selling, but it's you know. And then how do you price? And you know, how does your your what price does your quality of work bring at this point in your in your career? Right. So a consultant helps with that. So I've worked with a consultant for many years and I keep thinking, well, next year I'll just do it on my own. And next year I always just come back because there's always something that she brings to me and my business that I hadn't thought of. We don't know what we don't know. Right. Right. So so I would say art for yourself is important and continue to do that. That's why I do personal projects. Those are just for me, like my women of wisdom project. That was just art for me. And it did turn into a book and now it's in a museum gallery. You awesome. Know, all these portraits yeah. are in the museum. So, you know, it, it had a, grew a life of its own, but it started out as a personal project, just something I wanted to do for me. Do you think it improved your work? Do you think? Yes, it did. It, 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 it actually helped me on my whole personal life journey. Mm, tell me about that. So um, when I was a kid, my father, and he meant well, I'm sure when he said this, but he said, you know, if you can't do it right, don't do it at all. Mm-hmm. So how I interpreted that, what he meant by that is do your best. But how mm-hmm. I interpreted that, you know, as a kid and up until I was in my 60s is don't try things that you might not be successful in. Don't take risks. 
Don't do anything that you don't know for sure that you're going to do well in. That's a rough way to live life because you yeah. ever walk or ride a bicycle or yeah. English or what I mean, learn to speak or cook right. or right, right. Anything. And perfectionism was the you know what what motivated me, right? Mm-hmm. So the perfectionist goal is what motivated me. So for um for this project, you know, I I'll step back. I come from a corporate background where you um you you plan, 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 you execute a specific plan because change orders are expensive, right? So mm-hmm. in a corporate world, you plan and then you execute. So I didn't know what I was going to do with this Women of Wisdom project, except that I wanted to give these, I wanted to honor these women and give them a gift of a portrait. That's all I have in my mind. Mm-hmm. For business, to step it further, <clears throat> um, I didn't know how to do any of that. So I didn't know how to put this in a book. I didn't know how to get this in a gallery. And And my consultant said, why don't you just start? I'm going, I can't start. I don't have a plan. And she said, just start and ask for help. And I said, the other thing asking for help meant that I didn't know what I was doing. So my whole life has been this imposter syndrome where I had to know what I was doing. I had to present myself as the professional, right? Mm-hmm. And it and it was really scary for me to think someone might know that I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And so here I am in my 60s, still thinking this way. So this project, I I did. She said, bring in two people, photograph them, ask them for help, ask them for referrals. This whole thing grew exponentially. Mm. And the people that I asked for help were so kind and and I'm grateful that I asked their opinion. So it turned my whole mind around, you know, about um, business can be a process. It doesn't have to be serial steps. You know, it doesn't have to be the check boxes. It can right. be a, an organic process, which right. is so new to me. Yeah. <laughs> At yeah. my age. Yeah. It's so new to me that, you know, and that was such a great journey for me. So when I'm talking with other artists, it's it's art for yourself, for sure. You know, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to do art for business, have asked for help. You know, ask for help. Find somebody that can do what you don't know how to do because there's no sense in reinventing the wheel. They already know. And when you and you look at the the cost of a consultant, you know you think how many clients do I need to bring in to pay for that? What's their return on investment? Mm-hmm. Right? So right away, you know what I pay my consultant every year, you know it, it's exponentially. I make so much more. I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the one that can help, right? You're the one that can help them with that. that. That's after you know we were talking before we started recording. Um, 30 plus years as a photographer mm-hmm. and, and I dabbled in coaching not as a as a profession or formally but I just was always available to mentor people and I realized um, I had this ability to help people get with, where they want to go and taking that risk I didn't like you said I didn't know how to do it I but what was so fun for me, because I'm a lifelong learner, and mm-hmm. I get a feeling you are too, mm-hmm. is the first conference that I went to that was around, it was called the Highly Paid Expert. And it was around mm-hmm. how you take your expertise and turn it into a business. Right. And it was so exciting to be in a conference with all new information, uh, new notes to take, new things to learn, new questions to ask, because I've you know, since 1982, I've been sitting in conventions and classrooms and 
meetings and at lunch with friends talking about the photography and photography business. Uh-huh. So um, that was that was super fun and and yes, I've dealt with the perfectionism trap as well. <laughs> now my dad said, "Do your best," but then he always would say "dyb" when we went to school, and I actually set that to mean I needed to be perfect all the time. Yeah, so I translated it doing my best until I read, have you read um, the four agreements? No. Miguel Ruiz. No. So one of them, it's one of the most powerful personal growth books ever in the history of ever, in my opinion. Um, and one of them is, is always do your best, but the sub heading in that is, and your best is going to change from time to time. Like, you you just show up and do what you can where you are in the moment. Yes. Which is different than I'm a high achieving personality. So I always have to be, you know, excellent at everything. Um, so yeah. It frees you up to be creative. It frees you up to try things. And, you know, it's it's in this project with the women of wisdom that that evolved because it started with just me wanting to honor women and provide them with a gift of a portrait. Mm-hmm. Right. And then um, as it evolved, you know, it's become what it is today. And that's so new for me to think that I could do something in life <laughs> that just evolves. Right. That isn't pre-planned and you know executed down to the to the letter. Right. Right. So, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have goals, and yet we don't know where they're going to head. Yeah. Um, One of my, um, so I'd been in business many years and realized it was time to do something uh, to contribute. Uh And children are my heart. Uh And I got the idea that there are foster kids ready to have forever homes Uh that probably need photographs. And through a series of honest to goodness miracles mm-hmm. like being at the Del Mar fairgrounds and the, the one hour that the person that we've been trying to talk for three months happened to be at the booth for San Diego County adoption. They happened to be planning a calendar. They were taking bids and I was like, is free a good bid? <laughs> anyway. So I got to do this project where I photographed those beautiful children the with no parental prompting n- not prompting oh. but i didn't have a buyer like uh. what i was selling was the children <laughs> not not officially <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um i was just doing it in the way that i felt i could best capture their essence and so I did my 35 millimeter instead of my Hasselblad and I did black and white film and having that permission again to photograph them from my own perspective and, and my art really, Uh then my photography for clients became better as well. See, and I landed a a month after I was done, the biggest client I've, I've had to date, the, the golfer, Phil Mickelson, they called me out of the blue and I was their family photographer for eight years. Oh, Lucy, that's great. Yeah. So, um, 
And I think it was a direct like universe saying thank you. <laughs> and and the biggest reward, of course, was that of the two years I did it, all but one sibling group got homes. Aww. And I'm sure some of that contributed. But the the point is when we do things not for money, it can enhance what we're doing for our clients who are going to pay us. For for me, I love photographing nature and scenery and a lot of my portrait work with families, you could take the families out and it would still be a really lovely photograph. So my, you know, there's a marriage um, between my art and, you know, my for me photographs and my clients. Do you have something like that? as well? You know, I had a thought that came to mind as you were talking, Lucy, that relates um, a little bit back to what you said was when you were talking about doing, um, just wanting to photograph for the sake of photographing, right? Mm -hmm. And it it builds your, um, I don't know, your repertoire, you know, maybe takes your photography to another level. Um, I like to I'm in the community a lot. And I think part of building business, we talk about building business is um, you just have to have your people have to know who you are. Mm -hmm. They have to meet you and know you know, like and trust. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, To call you. So um, I'm in the community a lot. I do a lot of donations for um, charitable organizations. Um, I might go and do an event. I might not even ask to be paid. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, it's because I, I think it's just like you said, I think it comes back, you know, it, it um, comes back to, well, that was really a neat thing I tried and, you know, that worked. And if I'm not getting paid, you know, you can try a whole lot of things. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, um, so being in the community, I think for your listeners is um, a, a point that would be important, you know, networking groups, but also just um, charitable organizations. So I belong to organizations. Mm-hmm. They get to know me and they want, I go, oh, if they need a photographer, you know, for a portrait for their family, then they know who to go to. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that I think has my main lead generation are silent auctions, mm. which is a tip that can be helpful to your listeners. So um, when I'm thinking silent auctions, I'm doing something great for the organization. I'm giving them a portrait session for people to bid on, right? right. So they get the money that is being bid on. And the display is beautiful, right? So it's an attractive mm-hmm. display at the auction. So people are attracted. They want to bid. They do the competitive bidding and the organization gets, you know, receives funds for that. But for me on my ends, reciprocally, is um, these are pre-qualifying my clients. Mm-hmm. So my clients, they have to pay to be there. They pay for their plate. They pay to bid, right? right. And so when they're coming to me, I know they have expendable income. Right. Right. So they're not going to be um, concerned about price so much. So in part of what I do when I'm, I'm giving them their gift certificate is they get um, they get an art piece, you know, as part of their gift certificate. So that's mm-hmm. my cost, right? Mm-hmm. They come in, they look at, they've had a great session, you know, they come in and they look at the, all these beautiful portraits and, you know, it's rare that someone doesn't do a major purchase. Right. Right. So it's pre-qualifying and it gets people in the door for me. So silent auctions are awesome, but you got to be out in the community to know where they are. Right. Right. They're a foundation of my photography business as well, because unlike weddings, weddings, networking, there's so many great ways to get wedding clients. 
Um, but people don't wake up on a morning and say, that's it, it's time for a family portrait. Like with a wedding, they're like, okay, now we need to get a photographer. So something like an auction mm -hmm. item can definitely, if it's the right auction, the right presentation, mm -hmm. the right follow through, because it can be a really big waste of time and even lead to tears if we don't do it correctly, right? right. Um, but it's a great way to like jingle, jingle, jingle the bell of people like, I've been wanting a family portrait forever. Come on, honey, let's bid on this. Right. So if your display is beautiful, it's attractive, you know, it's engaging, you know, that mm -hmm. people will say just like what you said. And then on the business side, um, I have an automated process for the time I, I step back and say part of my um, donation is the understanding that they're going, the donation coordinator, the auction coordinator is going to provide me with the winner's contact information. Yes. Right. Otherwise, why am I doing it? Right. So business wise, why am I doing it? So um, and then uh, so from the time um, the auction is entered into my system, it's all automatic all the follow-ups until I get the contact information for the winner mm -hmm. and then when they put the winner in. They have three opportunities for, to get an email from me. And if they don't contact me by then I'm calling them. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's all automated. So my time, you know, cause I've done them for several years now, my time invested, not that much. Right. And it's very well put together because mm -hmm. trial and error had me put that together really well. And my consultant as you, you know, would help me, you know, help your listeners, you know, figure out what that process would be. Exactly. And automate it and just yeah. have it, right? Yeah. We have to know how to take a hot lead and turn it into a great sale. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't just randomly suggest people, you know, start doing auctions until they figure out their sales system. Oh, definitely. And such, but yeah. And what to do with the, with the client, right? Right. Right, 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 right. Um, there's something else on that. Oh, here's what helped me survive the 2009, 2010 recession. I started doing a buy it now option. Hmm. So I donate 10 certificates for uh -huh. a money value that will cover a session and enough for them to buy one and a half eight by tens. Hmm. So there's money left over if that's what they pick. I don't focus on a size. And I attend the event. I do candidates for the event coordinator to use for the future, however they want, uh -huh. to just send out to the guests. Uh -huh. So I'm around, I'm schmoozing, I'm saying, hey, I'm I'm a volunteer. My work is over there. I'm offering this. And so I promote, um, promote it. And I've with one group, um, I got 25 signups two years in a row and 16 the next year. Like it was it was an ideal. It was children's hospital chapters. Uh -huh. um, but instead of one, I go home with potentially six. Right. And if the 10 sell, I magically make another 10 appear. Yeah. And in order for the guests to see the photographs they need to go to my website and click on my blog and then they'll be able to see it. So it, it solidifies in the mind of the ones that have the certificates. Oh, Oh, she's good. She's perfect. I like her. She's professional. 
And if we're, if, if we're capturing their email, if we're capturing their contact information with the lead, with your lead generator of your blog, right? You know, if no. If, but I'm saying if we can, then then we have their contact information. Yes. And if I were smarter back then, I would have done that. <laughs> <And> <laughs> well, I mean, for your listeners. got now. them in my email, you know, and there are just so many levels of when you've got the ideal clients uh, in your in your sites <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, doing that. So the um, the other beauty is I go home with a sign-up sheet. Uh-huh. So that Monday, I'm calling them mm-hmm. rather than waiting for the the people to get back to me with that. Mm-hmm. So again, it can be tricky and it has to be the right place. Um, they're also, and I know you must have these in your area because it's there's this circuit in Southern California that's a charity gift boutique. Have you heard of that, Donna? What is that? So there are people who have garages full of stuff to sell, clothes, ceramics, purses, and they go to different boutique events. And when it's a charity, they give a percentage, like 20% of their sales goes to the charity. And like these happen, uh, many of them are from your area that come down to San Diego. So I know, I know it's happening around you. Um, and so that's when I sell the gift certificates and all the money goes to the charity and I end up being the highest contributor because if somebody sells, let's say $10,000 and they give 2000, there's that. But if I sell 10 certificates, that's $5,000 to them Uh or no. Well, anyway, I always end up being the one that puts the most cash in that charity's pocket. So it's a win-win. So well, tell us more about these charity boutiques. What, how would your listeners find them? Um, I am not sure. <laughs> I think you would just Google and you'd ask around and, and uh, yeah, I think like they, they fell in my lap. Huh? So, um, but if you found one and then you ask that mm-hmm. vendor, about other ones, right. um, like the San Diego, one of the children's hospital chapters does a tea every year. And at the tea, they have this boutique. So instead of auction prizes, uh, they don't have an auction. They have they have um, raffles. And if you're in the show, you need to contribute something to the raffle, which I never end up booking that person because you know they didn't they just won it they weren't like seeking it anyway so yeah yeah, finding somebody that does that to that comment you know to your comment raffles are different than auctions so i typically don't do raffles Mm -hmm. as like the the um you know they do sometimes there's no cost to get into the event and then even if there is um the raffle ticket may be ten dollars which is different than a $100 minimum bid on an right. And they may not be interested in photography at all. And if and they might because that's what the raffle is, but but nonetheless they may not have this, the disposable income. Right, right. That I'm looking for for yes. my I, I also don't do baskets. Yeah. Uh-huh. If it's an auction. Right. I, I because if somebody like they tried to put me in a basket with baby stuff, which makes sense. 
But if somebody bid on it because they wanted those booties and they wanted that rattle and they wanted these other things, right? And somebody that wanted photography for right. the baby would miss out. And sometimes that would get lost because if it's a certificate, right, it might get lost in the basket. I mean, right. it's visually. Exactly. Well, gosh, Donna, you got to come down here and hang out. <laughs> You're not that far from me. And we're. I was just down in Del Mar just earlier this week. For the races? <laughs> For the races. Oh, yeah. fun. Did you have a big, floppy, pretty hat? No, because I this is the second year we've gone, and the people that we go with, you know, are all about racing. I'm not. Mm-hmm. So it's all about, you know, and she says, oh, no, that's only for opening day. I'm going, oh, thank you. for oh, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I have two quick questions uh-huh. uh, before we wrap it up, because, yeah, we're, we're in the time to wrap up. So you have this lovely book. How do they find it? Uh, for my website. And the reason I'm I'm offering those on my website for people to own is that I'd like to write a personal message in them with my signature. Okay. So what's your website? My website is DonnaEdmondPhotography.com and Edmund is spelled E-D-M-A-N. Great. And it's also in the show notes. So you can go to the Profitable Photographer podcast or anywhere else that has the show notes connected to this. So, right. And on my website, Lucy, it's um, there's a tab that says the book. Okay. So after uh, my website. So head slap. Oh, I wonder <laughs> what's in this. Oh, it's the book. <laughs> uh So what would be either your parting thoughts or if there's something that when we say adieu, you'd be like, oh, I wish I'd mentioned that. So what do you got for me? I just think um, it's important to, if you're an artist, it's important to know why you're doing your art. So is it for you? Is it for others? And to know it's okay to do art for others. Mm-hmm. to create things that they would want to purchase if you're planning to do a business. And also, if you're planning to do a business, you can't expect yourself to know how to do that. Mm. So ask for help. Ask so whatever for help. that means for you, you know, ask for help or for your listeners, ask for help. Love so it. Art for art's sake and, and continue to do art for art's sake. But if it's art for business, you know, art for others, then ask for help. Yeah. You'll get yourself so mm-hmm. much further along, so much faster if you just oh, yeah the expertise from people who already know how to do that. I got it. All right. So um, reminder to my listeners to stay tuned uh, for my quick wrap up. And Donna, it's just been a joy to talk to someone that I feel like we're, we've been uh, walking a lot of the same path and learning a lot of the same things. And um, so thank you so, so much. Yeah, it's been my pleasure, Lucy. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. Stay tuned, everybody. Okay, let's have a little wrap up before I do. Um, Remember, if you would like to have a website review or have me take a look at your pricing and help you uh, know what I think and what you might do to enhance it, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. You can either fill out the form or you can just set up a time on my calendar for a quick chat. I would love to chat with you. And so I love sharing uh, and chatting with Donna. A um, couple things that I learned after the fact is she's been voted, not vo- voted, she's won 
Portrait Photographer of the Year three times in a row at the Professional Photographers of Orange County. And that that says a lot. Uh, and she's got um, her show in a museum. And so, yeah, she's got some good, hot awards <laughs> and action. So we talked about how to put people at ease. That's our basic topic. And one of the things that she does is she helps people relax by relaxing and by getting to know people. She likes to use music. She likes to ask questions that evoke a feeling like what gives you joy. And then the muscles in the face change when we think about what gives us joy. She likes to have some prompts. Uh, she'll get people jumping, spinning, moving around, you know, getting their energy up. And that creates uh, fun photographs. I shared about mirror neurons. So look that up. And it's, we physically react to people and what they're doing, what their energy is, what their body, their face, their voice is doing. So, um, yeah. And she says to set expectations with parents to let the kids be themselves. And from the first phone call, one of the reasons I believe in phone calls and sounds like she does as well is that we set a tone. We, we start building a relationship hard to do that with emails and texts. Um, and we talked a little about art and she suggested that we want to always be doing art for ourselves and at the same time, it's okay to do art for other people in charge. And she recommends, which of course I recommend, getting support, asking for help, having mentors, getting involved in our profession. So um, that's it for now. And I'm sending a great big hug. And be sure to look at my new website. It's beautiful. I think, um, I can't believe it took me this long to update uh so you know the the lesson the cobbler's kids have no shoes you know the business coach needs to upgrade her website so now i have <laughs> so that's it and i'll talk to y'all later you have been listening to the highly profitable photographer with lucy dumas if you've enjoyed this podcast please rate subscribe review and share to connect one-on-one -on -one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.